Bibles, let's start this morning. If you're following along with the app, the scripture will already be in there. If you are not following along with the app, if you'll open your Bibles or whatever it is that you use to read scripture with, open to Romans chapter 8 this morning. Father, we're getting into a word. We're continuing this word on sons, what they are, what they represent, what do they look like. I know what you put in my heart, but I also know that what you put in me, it gets transferred through any part of Adam that's still in me. So I pray today that no matter what comes out of my mouth, that the people that hear what I'm saying hear the voice of God within my voice. Let each one Hear what it is you want each one to hear. Help us today to grow. Help us to change. Help us to be a people who are not stuck in a place where we are not able to become all that you've called us to be. You've empowered us as sons and daughters. You've enabled us as sons and daughters. You've made a way for us as sons and daughters. Today as we align with your provision. Again, may we see and may we hear. May we walk the path you laid out before us, not serendipitously, but intentionally. May we, in every sense of the word, Father, draw out of you, trusting you, even when we know we're doing it right. Let there be no waning of trust because we feel very confident that we're doing it well. But even in our well moments and in our unwell moments, may we require ourselves to trust you equally the same. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue today with the rise of sons, and today we're going to call this one Culture 2.0. There are A number of cultures represented all around us. You can go to any given city, any given county, any neighborhood, any school, and there is a culture that's built there. There's a culture that begins to form uh, often. It's, in fact, many times, most of the time, likely, it's due to what the leadership is providing for that group of people. Whatever is provided, it is within that provision that a culture is formed. If there is a provision for there to be life, there will be people that have joy. If the provision there is to quell and to put pressure on every moment and everything, there will be, become a culture of uh, distrust, a, com- a culture of discomfort will begin to form. And, and it will be, it's infectious from one person to the other. And if someone on the outside were to walk in to any given cultural space, anyone from the outside would come in, it wouldn't take long for them to immediately identify, this is what this all looks like to me. They wouldn't even have to say that individual or this one. They, w- they could say, the culture of this business, the culture of this ministry, the culture of this house, the culture of this neighborhood, the culture of this city, whatever it is, this is what I feel about it. I can tell you uh, as an example, when Kim and I were sent out back in 99, 
And we were told by F. Nolan Ball, hey, it's time. You can either uh, take over the leadership and be pastor of this church, or I'm going to send you out. You decide. Well, I knew that that church was not what we were called to, uh, to lead. And I said, well, we will go. And when Kim and I went to numerous places that we felt in our spirit was the place for us to go to establish the Rock of Central Florida, we did not know. Um, but we had a sense in our heart where that would be. And one of those places was Melbourne. And I know that we have, we have a family. And every time I, I tell this story, I, Shonda, forgive me. for um, She's from there but, and her mama. But one of those places was what, Melbourne. And we got to Melbourne. And we're, as soon as we pulled in there, everything about it cried out to us, this isn't it. And there were a couple of words that stood out to us. One, it's not a progressive place. Now, maybe it is. You might say, well, I think it's very progressive to you. But for what the Father had called us to, it was not progressive enough. It did not meet the standard that he was calling us to, even if it met your standard. So we go in there. We stayed for a few days. And on the last day or the second day, whatever it was, Already in my heart and in my wife's heart together, we were going from place to place and everywhere we went, there was just this, there was this sense of, I'm just going to use the word that we use then, unhappiness. People didn't seem happy, they just kind of plodded through their way, they just, everyone we met, and maybe it's just the people we met, but it was enough, and, and it showed us, man, this place, not just this people, if this section is like this, this is the culture of this area. And then we went into the mall the last day that we were there. We walked into the mall, and when we opened up the doors on the mall and we looked down at the tiles, I looked down at them and I looked at my wife and I said, these tiles are the worst I have. I mean, they're ugly, they're filthy, they don't match. This is not it. Because it reflected to me the culture of that place was we don't care. There was a sense of, we don't care. Now, in the middle of all of that, there were people who did. But what the Father did for me was used those things simply to let me know and let my wife know, let us know together, this is not the place I've called you to. And I'm going to use things that you recognize to get you where I need you to be. So we left there and then went to another place and then ended up, uh, driving through here one day and realized as we drove through here, why not here? Something was crying out to us, and we knew immediately this is it. Now, I will say this. Even in driving here, when we were on the turnpike and we were coming through here, and know, most of you know the story. I won't tell all the details. As we were driving here and we're coming in, and my son's crying. It's pouring down rain outside, and it's, it's just awful. We were in a traffic jam for hours on the turnpike, and all of that was going on. In the middle of all of that, there was... Some of the same things we experienced in Melbourne. I mean, there's ugly malls. There's people with bad attitudes. There's unhappiness. But in us, we heard this voice say, welcome home. So we unpacked our bags, found us a place, unpacked our bags, and began. 
But I remember when we unpacked our bags, even though this was home, and we went to Oviedo, and I'm telling you all this for a reason. We went to Oviedo, and when we got to Oviedo, I told my wife, I said, the Holy Spirit told me this. He said, if you encounter any resistance at all, it's not the place. That's the, word, that's the only word I had at the time. If you encounter any resistance at all, it's not the place. So I started out by going to Oviedo because I thought, you know what, this is a good place. There's a lot of homes here, a lot of people here, and, and um, you know, they need God. What I knew about it. And, and that may sound arrogant, probably is arrogant, but it's what we felt. And I went to the Chamber of Commerce in Oviedo, and when I got in there and I went in, and a, the lady came to the desk, and she said, what can I help you with? And I said, my name's Steve Parker, I'm a pastor, and my wife just moved here from, she's actually from Sanford, but we just moved here from Panama City, and we're here to start a church. And she said, we don't want any churches. We've got enough churches. And in my world, immediately, my, my mind went to, well, first of all, that's resistance, Thank you. We're out. You're going to hell, by the way. No. I didn't do that. But I left, but immediately in my mind, I was aware that there's, that's not, there's a culture here that enough is enough. There's been an overall acceptance by a large group of people that they've had enough. So we went, and long story short, we ended up finding a place later, but um, you know the story. I won't get into all the details. The reason I say that is because there's a need for culture change. See, the culture today, let me do it generally speaking, not just specifically in one building, one city, one t- whatever neighborhood, but generally in America today, there's a culture that goes something, looks something like this, feels something like this. Give us just enough God where it doesn't infringe on our wants or needs. Any more than that, and you're a heretic. Any more than that, you're unnecessary. Any more than that, you're infringing on my rights to be whoever I want to be and do whatever I want to do. Because there's a culture in America, in the world today, not just in America, but in the world, but let's stay stay with America. There's a culture in America today, we don't need God. There's this sense in America today that God's been crammed down our throat. When you talk to people, listen, you can talk to me about anything. Talk to me about politics. You can talk to me about bad spaghetti. You can talk to me about whatever you want to, but don't talk to me about God. Because there's a, there's a culture in America. There's this idea. There's this, there's this uh, corporate sense, mindset. That we are a people that have just enough God and need no more. So if, if anything new is coming, we're not interested. In fact, the culture is even shifting more than that. It's not just we have enough God. It's now becoming we have too much God. There's too much. People talk about it too much. Every time I turn on the TV, there's somebody preaching. There's somebody doing this. Every time I... Whatever. There's somebody doing whatever. There's an athlete talking about God, giving thanks to Jesus, and so on and so forth for every touchdown that they've thrown. There's, all this is going on. There's this, the culture is, is shifting in this sense. It's going backwards where we have too much God. Let's get what's left out. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. I'm not saying to you anything that hasn't already been said. So, or that you're not aware of. So what I believe is this. What I know about God is, He's jealous. 
And what I know about you is, you matter to Him. And what I know about relationship is this. When you put someone who matters together with a God who's jealous for you, incredible things happen. Because He's jealous for you. Because He created you. In fact, nobody, again, I say as I've said so many times before, nobody under the sound of my voice right now exists by accident. No matter how you came into the earth, you might say, oh, you don't know how I came into the earth. I don't really care how you came into the earth. What matters is you came because you were sent. You might say, well, I was sent out of time. You were sent maybe out of your time, but you were not sent out of His time. You were sent exactly when He wanted you to be here because it mattered. He had more control over when you came than your mama and daddy did. Are you hearing me this morning? So, there's this jealous God that loves you so much. He even loves the ones so much that are saying, we've got more than enough, we have more than enough of you. And He loves them so much. Even the ones that are saying, I don't even believe in Him, and He loves Him so much. Say so much. So much. Oh man, more than you can even wrap around, your, you wrap your mind around. Loves them so much because they sent them on purpose to do specific things. To demonstrate His glory. And even when they're lost, His glory is still crying out to be revealed. So even in the middle of all that, when culture is... Our culture is developing this thing, I need less of God and more of whatever I want. More knowledge, more this, more that, more whatever. I need just just make sure it's less of God. Even when our culture is moving in that direction, the Father is rising, raising up sons and daughters. That in the middle of all of it will rise up and not become a part of that culture, but begin to develop their own. Begin to demonstrate something different. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 starting there says this. says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? For all who are what? Led. 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 Everybody say led. led. Say it again. Say led. led. For all who are what? Led. Oh, I'm not sure I even hear what you're saying this morning. For all who are led. Led. Led by the Spirit of God are are what? Sons. What? Sons. Not vagabonds, not orphans, not slaves, not outcasts, not the unknowns. All who are led, all who are by the Spirit of God are? Sons. Oh man, does that sound amazing. All who are by the Spirit of God are? Mm, yes, they are. For you did not receive... Put your hands on yourself. Say, I did not receive... The spirit of slavery slavery. to fall back into fear. fear. In other words, you don't fear your daddy. 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Very personal. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. What does that mean, provided we suffer with Him? Does that mean I'm going to go to the cross too? Does that mean I've got to do all of these things? Our cross is very different than what His cross was. But we're going to suffer in these ways. We're going to suffer because we're not going to give in to the culture that is around us. We don't give in to the things that are around us and all the people, all the diminishing returns that are happening related to the kingdom of God in the earth today. We don't give in to that. But instead, we're reminded every day, we will do this. Even if we stand alone on this rock, we will stand. Even if we find our own selves with these words in our mouth, you are my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, then out of those, out of this mouth, if my mouth is the only one saying it, then I choose to be the only one. If I have to suffer in loneliness to lift up your name, I will suffer in loneliness to glorify your name. If I have to suffer in hardship to glorify your name, I will suffer in hardship to glorify your name. Now somebody might be saying, I don't want to suffer. But there's something to be said about stepping over easy and confronting the hard things. When everything around you, again the culture all around you is saying, do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. You're your own man. You're your own woman. You don't need a father anymore. You don't need a mama anymore. You don't need anybody anymore. Be your own whatever you want to be. When the culture all around us is saying those things, the father is looking for somebody, Alex, to rise up and say, I know who I am. I'm a son and I don't need any of that. I'm going to show you something different. So there are two ways to know God. Everybody say two ways. Two ways to know God. You can know Him as a slave or you can know Him as a son. Two ways. You can know Him as a slave or you can know Him as a son. You can know Him as a slave who fears Him. Oh man, I think I just sinned. Oh no, I think I just sinned. God, I'm so sorry. Oh man, i got to repent real fast because if I don't, I'm afraid you're going to just, this car is going to hit me when I walk out on the road. I think, I, I think I've done something wrong. I think my life is, I think somehow I've dishonored you, Father, and, and I'm terrified of what you're feeling about me right now. That's, slave. That's a slave mentality. So you know him as a slave, or you can know him as a son. And let me say this about a son. A son is never lost. A son is never lost. Let me ask you this before I go into that. Or let me say this. Let me ask. Matt, what do you call me? Say it loud. Steve. You call me Steve. He calls me Steve. Chris, what do you call me? Steve? Jensen, what do you call me? Shonda, what do you call me? Josh, what do you call me? What do you call me? Why? Why? Because the relationship's different. 
All the relationships matter. My relationship with Matt, with Jensen, with each one that I called out, all these relationships matter to me. But he calls me dad. Why? The difference is the relationship that we have. And a son, I can tell you, is never lost. Now, these are sons, spiritual sons. Matt and Jensen and different ones. Many of you in this room, some of you are learning what that means. But where there is a relationship, there's confidence. Where there's relationship, there's strength. Now, what would happen if I said to Matt, what do you call me? I don't know who you are. It would be sort of like what I referred to last week when Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, this one says you're this, this one says you're that, this one says you're something else. But who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know why you can say that? Because of relationship. See, those people don't know me, so they call me every name that isn't me. But you know me. And upon this revelation, upon this rock, this revelation... I'll build my church. The revelation of what relationship is. Upon that, I will build my church. I'm going to build something great. And you're going to help me, Peter. And I'm going to build something great. And you're going to help me, Matt and Steve and Joss and Jensen and each one. Chris, you're going to help me do this. Why? Because you have a revelation of what relationship is. You have a revelation of what sonship is. This is one of the reasons why. When you hear me, as I addressed earlier, often you'll hear us say Yahweh. It's because it's endearing. In fact, the word Abba Father is only used, Abba is only used three times in Scripture. Three times. It's an endearing term. In fact, only Jesus and Peter and Paul used it. Jesus and Paul, not Peter, used it. Why? It's endearing. It reflects a deeper relationship. It reflects a deeper place. It reflects a knowing Who this is that stands in front of me, it isn't just another man, it just isn't just another person, but this is somebody that, that I feel safe with. I have confidence in. And so this is part of the reason why when, when you hear me, you'll say Yahweh in reference to God. It's because I believe with all of my heart that's endearing. I don't want to in any way simply reflect and, and talk to Him, especially when I'm praying in my own time, in my own private places. When I'm talking to the Father, I'm always talking to Him as Yahweh. In fact, the only, time, only reason I even say God at all is for those who have not yet come to the place where they understand what Yahweh is. People under the sound of my voice right now, you're hearing it for the very first time. I'm saying God for your sake. For your sake. Because to me, it's not just about what He is. It's also about who He is. And you don't know about who someone is until there's relationship with that who you're talking about. So Father, I come to You today. And when I come to You, I come before You as a son and I look to You and I say, Yahweh, Abba Father! Daddy, I'm one of your children. 
And I know who I am and I know where I'm headed and I want to live my life like I know who I am. I want to make choices as one who knows who they are. And I choose to do that. And I love, as I said a moment ago, that a son is never lost. See, when we become sons, when we come into this place where we're sons, and I said this last week, and again, I'm going to say it again today, and I hope you understand this. Uh, For those of you that are in here, I can dive into it a little bit more later, or you can go back and listen to a series I taught some time ago. So I'm not trying to offend anybody or scare anybody or worry anybody, but I asked the question last week. I said, how many people in here are believers, are Christians? You believe you've, you've been born again. You've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Most everybody raised their hand. How many of you believe that you're still sinners? And we had some that raised their hand. Well, it's not possible to have both. I'm not a sinner. I was. I was a sinner. I'm trying to lead you somewhere today. I want to grow us so that we can make a difference out there. What testimony are we giving to the world when we say Jesus saved us, but I still carry all the guilt and shame? He delivered me from sin, but yet I still carry it. It took me a long time to come to Christ. I was 20 years old before I came to Christ. You know why? Because everybody that I knew who came to Christ was still a sinner. So why are you wasting your time? That was my thought. You came to Christ. Why are you not wasting your time? Why did you come to Christ? If you're still a sinner, nothing changed. About your nature? The second Adam came to supplant the first. If the first Adam represents sin and the second Adam represents grace and salvation, what is the second Adam supplanted in you? So if I live, let me say this, if I believe that I've come to Christ and I believe that He's redeemed me from sin, and that's what we say when we come and we say, forgive me of my sin, deliver me from my sin. If we believe that we're still sinners, just please walk with me for a moment. If we believe that we're still sinners, then we have a slave mentality because every time we do something that we believe is sin, we come to Him with a guilty conscience not with a son spirit. I'm writing a book. I've been writing it for a long time. It's called Sinful or Sinless. And the idea of the whole book is, the general idea is most of the church today is sinful. They cling to the idea that I'm both saved and sinner. That on one hand, I'm full of Christ. But on the other hand, I'm full of the devil. But when I come to Christ, it doesn't make me incapable of committing sin. What it does is it makes me incapable of possessing sin. It 
So there's two ways that we can know him. We can know him as a slave or we can know him as a son. We can come to him and we can say, Father, I'm coming to you and you've completely redeemed me and I'm coming to you as a son today and a son is never lost. So in other words, if a son is never lost, when I come to you, even in my moments where there's darkness, even in my moments where there's difficulty, even in the moments that I feel in, my, in every part of my, my heart and soul that I have failed you, you're not looking for a way to punish, but you're looking for a way to lift up. So I don't come to you because in my failures as one who is hopefully going to be forgiven or might be accepted back into the fold. But I come to you as a son. And even in the moments when, I'm, when it seems that I'm far away, I'm still present in you. Consider the prodigal, what Scripture calls the prodigal son. It should be more the faithful father. But remember that Scripture, that parable about the prodigal son. Even when the son went away and he was in the pig slop, and he was wandering around, he he gave away his entire inheritance, spent his whole inheritance. While the son felt like, I'm no longer a son to my daddy. Instead, now I'm just going to be a worker. I'm going to be a laborer. Put me in the fields to work with the rest of them, but in the Father's mind, He said, you were never not a son. In your mind, there was a great gulf between you and me, but in my mind, there was no separation whatsoever. I was simply waiting for you to remember who you are. And it might take moments, it might take time, it might take seasons. But in the mind of the Father, when He sent you, not one of you, not one person under the sound of my voice today, not one person was sent as a slave, as an orphan, as a vagabond, as a prodigal. Every single man or woman alive today, you were sent as a son of God. How could you not be? You were born of His seed. It isn't, and I won't name them, but it isn't the two particular cells that you'll find are things in a male and a female. It isn't those two particular things that make you alive. And I don't mean to be crude or harsh or or any of those things, but how many times have those things come together and nothing came forth? That isn't what gives life. What has given you life was not when those cells came together, but is when the breath of God breathed into those cells. That's what gave you life. And it was at that moment the father said, you are my son. You're my daughter. I'm sending you intentionally today. So there are many today. We can choose to do this. We can continue this culture in the earth today. This idea that when we come to God, we're everything but a son. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good believer. I do good things. I serve. I tithe. I show up. I do all of these things. I fill all the blanks cross all the T's, dot all the I's. I do all of those things. We can come to Him as a good Christian and never be a son. Or we can come in 
See, because most people are doing those things to be something more than they are. But when we come to Him and we recognize I am His Son, He forgave me, He redeemed me, I am part of Him, He is part of me, I am a Son today, when we do that, everything else gets added. But when we come to Him simply as a good Christian, good believer, and we're trying to become a son, you're never going to arrive because if you don't believe that you became a son the moment that you received Him, you're never going to do enough work to become one. Because when you do one thing right, you'll do two things wrong. And you'll judge yourself for it. Because that's the slave mentality. That's the orphan mentality. I'm never going to measure up. So then you try to overcompensate. And you work harder. And you read more. And you pray longer. And louder. Lift your hands higher. Sing your songs louder. With more strength. More passion. More zeal. More gusto. Why are you doing that? I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm doing this to get closer to God. All the while, the Father's saying, Yahweh's saying, you're not doing that to get closer to me. You're doing that for your own good. Once you became my son, if you'll just trust me, I'll show you what you need to do next. And I might put in you a lot to do, or I might put in you a little to do. Guess what? Even those moments when we're silent, oftentimes that's the Father saying, I'm just telling you to be still, and you won't even do that. Because you think by doing, you become something more than you are. Is anybody hearing me in this place this morning? So a son is never lost, and I love this thought. I thought about it this morning when I was on my way here, and the Holy Spirit put it in my mind, my heart. A son is never lost because I realized when, even as a son, when you come to him, you don't measure your relationship with Him based on doing everything right or wrong during a day. You measure your relationship with Him based on whether or not you have faith. Do I believe He is God? Do I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do I believe that? So my sonship is not measured by doing all things right. My sonship is measured by my faith. Do I believe And in that belief, what he builds on that, what he grows out of that, begins to change all the dynamic that is around me. And it begins to express itself in so many ways through my wife, through my children, through your husband, through your friends, through your neighbors, through your parents, whoever it might be. And it begins to spread out and you begin to change something. See... Again, even in the church today, the culture is, if I do more, I'll be closer to Him. If we can change that culture by reminding people it's not about what you do, sir. What's your name? Tyler? It's not about what you do, Tyler. It's not about how much you're doing. It's about, do you believe Him? Do you believe that God is God? You believe it with all your heart? Do you believe He sent you on purpose? Do you believe He has vision for you? Do you have vision for Him? Would you say you're a son? Then it isn't about how much you do. It's about how much you believe. 1 John chapter 3. Let's go there. Everybody say, to know God God. is to know the sons of God. 
1 John 3, 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The reason that the world does not know us is because the world does not know Him. When relationship is right, vision is right. The people can't know us if they don't know God. But they're going to know God because we know who we are. Are you hearing me? I believe this. I believe in, in our mind, I, I read something um, recently, I think I read it in the church, in, the, in service one day, about the statistics and how the church is changing and believers and all of that. But it also said in that article, and I don't remember the exact time frame, but it was long, it was real long, it talked about how long it would take for the church to begin to reverse the degradation of the body of Christ in the United States. How long it would take to reverse that. But I believe this. If we try to reverse the degradation by continuing to do it the way it's always been done, it may take all of that and more. But if we know who we are and sons of God rise up and stop serving Him in fear, but serve Him out of relationship, serve Him not because He's looking to punish, but serving because He loves, change can happen in a day. What happens? When you go wherever you go tomorrow or this afternoon to work, to school, to wherever, what happens when you go and when you get wherever that place is and in your conversations, people are talking, but you don't engage in that conversation, hiding who you are. But instead you say, you know what, you don't get ugly, but you say, I'm not going to be a part of this, y'all. Thank you. I appreciate who you are but this isn't me. And you begin to make a difference. You begin to position yourself to be seen different, to be heard differently. Are you hearing me today? I think part of the challenge today is that we find it so easy to not consider our demeanor, our actions, our words, and our choices. We find ourselves doing whatever, whenever, however we want to do it. And all the while I believe that the Father is saying, I'm looking for sons that will rise up and they will consider where they are, when they're wherever they are, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and what they're doing. There is a call to rise up. I don't hear a call from the Father to be still. Do you? I don't hear a call from the Father to be complacent. Do you? Any call to be still, Maddie. Any call to be complacent, Alicia. Any call that we might hear is not coming from the Father. 
to be those things. The call that we hear that says rise up, be different, change a world, that's the Father. If I could speak even to the younger generation right now, I would say to you, you hear over and over and over again. And I'm going back all the way to the first service, that I, or first part of the series when I taught this and I said there's a reason that there's this one begot this one, this one begot that one, this, because the generations mattered. The legacy mattered. And I could say to the younger people or younger than me people, And I could say to you today, it's really easy for you to enter in and engage in those things that do not look like God and you know what those things are. And yet, it's easy for you to engage in it if there's no consideration of the consequences of being in that place. And you might not even see the consequences. You might say, it didn't have any effect on me. Yet, who might it have an effect on? So to know God is to know the sons of God. What does that mean? I can tell you today that I think the reason a lot of people don't know God is is because of this. And when they see us, they don't recognize many of us, many of church people today, they don't recognize us because we're hiding behind a slave mentality. Instead of engaging Him and saying, you know what, I don't have anything to hide. I want you to know something. I'm a child of the Most High God. And I'm pretty stinking proud of it. I'm a child of the Most High God, and I do not compromise. And I could be in a room with 15 people, and if I'm in a room with 15 people and 14 of them want to do A, but I know A dishonors God, I'm doing B. Because my God's bigger than every other God. Because my God's alive. Theirs is already dead. Why is theirs dead? Because he couldn't keep up with the one that was alive. Rise up, sons. Rise up, sons. Dakari, rise up, son. Know who you are. Ava, know who you are. Younger generation is, oh my goodness, I'm just calling out to you today. Make a difference. Philippians chapter 2, let me read this. And Paul defined a right relationship like this, the Apostle Paul did. He said, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you will shine as lights in the world and hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud. Paul says, I want to be proud of what I taught you. I want to be proud that you you heard what I said. I want to be proud that you received the word of the Lord when it came to you. He said, so do what you do in this way. Do what you do in this manner. Live your life for Him. Don't get caught up in the weeds. Don't get caught up in all these things, in the laws and the legalism. Somebody said to me last week, and you're here today, so I don't want to. I'm not trying to embarrass you, and I hope I get the words right. Somebody came up to me last week hadn't been here long, and they came up and they said something. They said, you know what, I come here and, I, you know, I'm Baptist. I come from a Baptist background, and, and uh, so I'm just sorting all this stuff out. I'm figuring all this stuff out. And I just said to, them, I said to her, I said, you know what, I said, we've got a lot of people that come here from Baptist backgrounds. At some point, though, we're not Baptist. We're not Pentecostal. 
We're not Catholic. We're not Methodist. We're not Lutheran. All of those are formed by man. None of those are of God. I'll tell you what's of God. Sonship. Sonship. And when we come and we gather together and we don't gather together because there's a, a Pentecostal sign on the uh, name on the wall, uh, sign or Catholic name on the sign, we gather together because the word of the Lord is there and we're being raised up, we're being changed, we're being grown. Man, God can do something with that. If I'm going to perpetuate anything, Alex, I want to perpetuate this, and that is sonship. Sons rise up. Know who you are. Know who you are. Stand with me if you would, please, this morning. I'm certain of this. There's no doubt that there's people in this room that when you consider your own life, and we all do, we consider our life. When I consider my own, and I consider all the times and the places and the spots and the seasons, whether it was a long time ago, recent, this morning, whenever it might be. And I consider the moments I wish I could take back and get a do-over on. There was a season in my life there was a time in my life before I understood what sonship was. There was a time in my life when I did something and I, and I wanted that do-over so bad. I wanted that do-over so bad, not so much to please God, even though I thought that's what it was, but more to please me. But I'm glad for the day when I came to the place when I realized something was wrong and I wanted or felt like I needed a do-over. I didn't need to do that anymore. Because as a son, I don't need a do-over. I don't want to repeat the same thing over again. What I need to do is just keep moving forward. You're my daddy. Father, you're Abba Father. And there is something about being a son. I'm positioned differently in you. And we can change the world today if we know who we are. And before we even think about the gravity of the size of the world... We can change our family if we know who we are. Obviously, it's up to each one to decide what choice they're going to make. But the choice I choose to make is, Steve Parker, rise up, son. You are a son. You are a son. You are a son. You're not an orphan. You're not an outcast. You're not a slave or a vagabond. But you know who you are. You are a son because you are in Him. And I want to say to you today, you're a son. If you're in Him, you're a son. No matter what you're doing, in your mind you might think otherwise. But to Him, you're a son. You might think, I'm squandering my inheritance. And He says, but you're still a son. But you're still a son. So I hope that this morning what he's doing is he's reminding you who you are. He's breathing into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit today. You're not one thing less than a son today. 
And let it be said, let this be said, that when I lay my head down tonight and I recognize, Father, even if I didn't do it all right, this is what I know. You love me. And I'm not going to lose sleep over what I didn't do well. What I'm going to do is I'm going to return to you and I'm going to say, Father, I love you. Thank you that you have grace. And I'm going to lay my head down as a son and I'm going to hear you say, you are my son and I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. Father, I lift my voice today over these people. Now pray for every person hearing the words that you've released today. I pray that in these words they've heard your voice within my voice. I pray that they interpret what they've heard, that you've sent, the way that you sent it. I pray today that you will help each of us to recognize, to know, to accept, and be thrilled about who you created us to be, to embrace sonship, recognizing we're not sinners, we're sons. We're not lost. We've been found. We're not sick. We're well. We're not dead. We're alive. Father, in each of us today, in each of us today, let it be, let it be, let it be. All to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Listen, one more thing. I know that it's Christmas. And I know Christmas is coming up and I know there's a lot going on. I would ask you to do this. Consider others. Consider others. If you have abundance, don't forget about those who don't. Let's share. Let's be willing to share out of whatever abundance that we have. Let's be willing to share that with others. Amen? Let's demonstrate, again, sonship in the fact that we serve one another. Don't get to December 26th or January 1st when you get your credit card bill and regret all the celebration you had on December 25th. (laughs) Consider January 1st bill is coming before you start diving in to December 25th spending. Amen? Amen. Be faithful in every area. Honor Him. In your time this year, some of you I may or may not see again before Christmas, but I want to say to you, consider, when you gather together on Christmas morning and you're opening those gifts, don't jump right into opening those gifts, but remind everybody that's with you why you're there. What does that day actually represent? Amen? Amen. I just remind you now so that you can begin to plan now. We do some fun things in our house. We do scavenger hunts. I write a poem every year, and, and we do some fun things. Make it matter. Because it's not about, I'm looking around the room, but it's not about Santa Claus. It's about recognizing someone was sent that I was going to become joint heirs with and become a son to the father that is his father.